Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no question a lot is at stake in this year's election at all levels of government. We here at the Topeka Capital Journal are doing our part to share the perspectives of those running for elected positions in Kansas. My name is India Yarbrough, and I'm a reporter for the Capital Journal. Over the next few weeks, leading up to the November 3rd general election, our reporters will be interviewing candidates running for local, state, and national offices. We'll be asking them questions about their platforms and priorities and having conversations about what this year's election means to Kansans. We hope you enjoy listening to our Election 2020 podcast series. This is India Yarbrough with the Topeka Capital Journal. I'm here today with Jim Gardner, who is a Democrat currently representing District 53 in the Kansas House of Representatives. Jim is running for re-election as he seeks to beat out his challenger, Jeff Cohen, who is a Republican in the November 3rd general election. Jim, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, India. Thanks for having me today. Well, um, to, to start off, you know, how did you get interested in politics and why did you decide to run this time around? Uh... I really, I, I wasn't interested in politics, uh, uh, actually holding office. Uh, I was a lobbyist for 14 years, and uh, my contract wasn't renewed, so I wasn't doing anything. And uh, Annie Teets, who held this seat before I did, came to me and asked, would I be interested in running? And uh, it took me two to three months to... Uh, decide uh, whether to run or to file for the office. And actually, I I really wanted to do something different and wanted to uh, represent the people and get involved in my district. So I decided to go ahead and run. Great. Um, well, and, and, you know, talking about kind of representing the people in your district and, and representing uh, everyone you're elected to represent, um, you know, how would you collaborate with members of your opposing party to, you know, work to come towards uh, some agreements and, uh, and policies that are in the best interests of all the Kansans you represent? Uh, compromise. That's a key question. Uh, it's, it's difficult uh, because we're in the minority, Democrats are in the minority, 84 to 41. Uh, so they have really a supermajority at this point, and that's one of our goals. This, this, or this election is really to break that supermajority. Um, it's, you know, I, I'm a, a, a personable fella, and I try to reach out and try to work with my colleagues across the aisle on issues that we can agree to or at least discuss and try to uh, come to a compromise. You know, one of the, the things I did uh, my freshman year, which was reaching out to the other side, was that Representative Brenda Dietrich and I were elected the same year in 2016. And we had almost 50 new legislators in the House that year. And uh, we co-chaired, reached across the aisle, co-chaired, 
a new freshman class uh, legislative initiative. And uh, both Brenda and I put together educational forums during the session to try to help get everybody up to speed on all the key issues. And we had a great turnout. We had a lot of moderates of Republicans in that class. And uh, that was sort of a springboard for us to work together. And indeed, in 2016, even though we only had 20, I think it was 28 Democrats at that point, we were able to work with the moderates and, and, and work together and push good policy. Okay. Um, and in what areas, you know, speaking about compromise, um, in what areas do you think state representatives and senators have failed to reach that compromise, reach agreements in the past? Um, and in what areas do you think that compromise is possible going forward? That's, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, in the past, there, there have been uh, a few that we've tried to work together on. Uh, well, let me, let me go back. There are some things that we've tried to compromise on, and we've had no luck at all. Uh, Medicaid expansion is one of those key issues that we've tried to work with the other side, and uh, there's been no compromise, which I quite don't, un don't understand it because if you look at surveys, Medicaid expansion, I believe around 70% of the electorate would like to see Medicaid expansion. And uh, I, I just don't understand why uh, my colleagues across the aisle, if their uh, constituents want it, why they don't vote for it. And we can compromise on that issue on the particulars in the Medica Medicaid expansion bill. Mm -hmm. uh, another issue is tax reform. We have been all over the map on different issues. Uh, one thing we were able to do uh, was to reverse the Brownback tax experiment. And uh, the governor, uh, Brownback, vetoed that bill, and we overrode his veto. And uh, we were in much, much better financial shape going into the pandemic than a lot of other states. And it basically was because we reversed that. Now, going forward, I don't know. I'd like to see Medicaid expansion come back, and maybe we can compromise, uh, especially if we pick up some House seats uh, on our side of the aisle. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully, maybe there's there will be some tax issues that that we're going to have to look at this year because of revenue short, shortfalls. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Okay. One um, skipping ahead to uh, Medicaid expansion. Um, of course, Missouri recently voted via a, a ballot measure to expand its Medicaid program. Um, and Medicaid expansion, like you've said, has been a point of contention among uh, Kansas legislatures in recent years. Uh, with no citizen-initiated ballot measure available in Kansas, it's really up to legislators to agree on a bill if that is to pass. Um, and you've kind of hinted at this, but could you explain your stance on expanding CanCare? I've, uh, I've been very, very supportive ever since I've been in the legislature. I've voted for it uh, three times, um, every time it, it's presented in front of the House. Mm -hmm. 
I, I just think it's something we need to do. Um, we have sent, if I remember correctly, over $4.25 billion into the federal government uh, from Kansas, and that's being distributed to all the states around us. I believe Oklahoma also passed Medicaid expansion this past year or this year, and uh, I believe Nebraska has it. And uh, so we're we're surrounded by states where our money is going back, supplementing their Medicaid expansion. That's, in my opinion, just not right. Mm -hmm. uh, the economy it affects the economy, uh, it affects rural hospitals. Uh, the list goes on and on, and I just think it's it's something we need to do to try to give health care to 130 to 150,000 Kansans. Okay. Um, and, and do you think there is a good chance legislators could come to an agreement uh, this next session and, and pass a bill? I think uh, it depends on uh, who's elected. <laughs> This November 3rd, mm -hmm. I think if uh, we can pick up more Democrats on both in the House and the Senate, um, if we can, if really constituents out there can try to persuade their legislator they want Medicaid expansion, maybe, maybe just hopefully we can get there. Mm -hmm. and have a compromise and move Medicaid expansion forward. Okay. Um, and talking about legalizing medical marijuana, that has kind of been, you know, a, a topic in the news lately and, of course, among legislatures. Uh, what is your stance on legalizing medical marijuana, and um, do you see adoption of a medical marijuana bill as being beneficial to Kansans in the long term? My position is uh, I would be supportive of medical marijuana. Um, I think it would be beneficial for Kansans. Uh, you know, there's a lot. I am a veteran uh, of the Marine Corps, and uh, there are a number of veterans that suffer PTSD, and I believe that would help some of my fellow veterans and a number of other folks that suffer from different ailments. Um, but, you know, the, the question I have, I guess, is if we're, I'm not, well, I'm not sure if we're going to debate medical marijuana, why don't we just debate the whole legalization of marijuana? Mm -hmm. uh, that, I think that ought to be part of the debate. Uh, we've had a tough time. That bill has been, I think, introduced at, at least two years ago. And uh, it doesn't even get a hearing. So it's really the folks that are in charge of those committees that make those decisions. Uh, and they have not allowed us to even have a debate on the issue, which we can get into a whole different subject on, on debating issues uh, that we've not been allowed to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then, you know, speaking of budget shortfalls, of course, this is something you alluded to a, a few minutes ago. Um, and, and even, you know, talking about medical marijuana, there are, 
you know, suggestions that the tax revenue from uh, from a bill like that might be beneficial um, toward addressing some of these budget shortfalls. Um, but how would would you address some of the budget shortfalls that have been induced by the coronavirus pandemic? Um, and what sources might you tap into to either spur new revenue or spur some revenue growth? We're in really a predicament, a financial predicament now because of uh, – Pre-COVID, we had oh, about $900 million in the, uh, in the black. I mean, we were, uh, we were putting revenue was coming in pretty strong, and we had a surplus. Now I think the prediction is we're going to be $1.2 billion uh, to $1.3 billion in the hole for 20 and 21, uh, fiscal year 21. Uh, so if we don't get any uh, receive any help from the federal government that they're at least talking about in the latest cares act uh, phase four or whatever it is uh, we're we're going to have to look at probably reducing expenses and raising revenue i think it's it's going to have to be a combination of both Mm -hmm. and those revenue sources you've already pointed out um medical marijuana i think that raises a small amount of revenue not a large amount but it does it's on the positive side Uh, i think where we need to go is uh, uh, really implement things that we've already addressed and we have bills ready to go for example one of those would be a marketplace facilitator internet taxing internet cells. Uh, we've done a pretty good job. It's, it's really called compensating use tax. And uh, we, we have debated that bill numerous times, and it's, we have it on the shelf ready to go. We were going to try to push that through last se- or this past session. We didn't get to it because of COVID. Um, that's a 30 to $40 million positive hit on revenues. So it's, it's just low-hanging fruit. We ought to go after it, and we ought to implement it. Um, but medical marijuana, you've already pointed out. Some say sports wagering, uh, legalizing that. Uh, it really doesn't bring in a lot of revenue. I, if I remember correctly, 3 to $5, 7000000 million. It's not a biggie. But... Uh, I really do think we're going to have to look at, and I hate to say this, but we're going to have to look at the total tax code and see what areas we can uh, look at to generate more revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, our tax code, income tax code is uh, supposedly a progressive tax code, and so the more money you make, uh, the more additional taxes you should pay. And it seems ironic to me that a person making just, for example, $200,000 a year pays the same income tax rate as one a person making $50,000 a year. So I, I'm not sure that's real progressive. So I think we need to look at all those issues uh, this session. Okay. Um, and you mentioned just a second ago that there might be a case uh, to be made for cutting back on some expenses. Um, in what areas might you uh, be a proponent of, of cutting back? 
I'm not sure. Uh-huh. You know, we're going to have to look at every um, every one of those issues. I don't want to go back unless we have to uh, to the previous administration where they decimated education, uh, criminal uh, uh, justice, uh, you know, our prisons, uh, KDOT, you know, Department of Transportation, uh, uh, oh, the DCF. It's just, I'm hoping we don't have to go back to that. Mm-hmm. But if we do, we're just going to have to be strategic about it. And, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll get some help from the feds uh, to not have to do that. Okay. Um, and then, of course, policing and criminal justice uh, reform have been hot topics this summer, especially following the death of George Floyd, who was a, a black Minnesota man killed by a Minneapolis police officer. Um, my question for you is what police reform and criminal justice measures, if any, would you like to see introduced and potentially passed by the legislature during the next session? I see that uh, India as two separate issues. I think on police reform, I think that's a local issue uh, across the state for every either city council or county government to deal with. I, I know in Topeka, I've been trying to stay abreast of what's happening here in Topeka. Um, I think a lot of uh, folks, especially my uh, uh, different folks throw out defunding the police. I don't believe that's uh, really a correct explanation. Uh, I, I think I would put my faith in the city council and the mayor who's had long discussions uh, with Black Lives Matters uh, representatives and um, community policing uh, Topeka is, you know, they're one of probably uh, one of the best on cooperating with the mental health. Vallejo right here in Topeka has a program that they work with uh, our police department. Um, So that's an issue I think ought to be left to the locals uh, to figure out and come up with creative solutions. Okay. Uh, Now, criminal justice reform, that's an issue that we have a criminal justice uh, committee uh, made up of various folks that make recommendations to us every year. So um, I'm looking forward to what they come forward with this legislative session. In my opinion, um, there's no reason why we ought to still have uh, folks incarcerated because of minor drug uh, deals or, you know, they were, uh, criminal activity is, is not something that I believe that they ought to be incarcerated in, a, in, in our prisons. So mm-hmm. I think we need to look at all, all of that and look at, uh, uh just criminal justice reform, uh, totally. Okay. Um, well, Jim, thank you for answering my questions here today. Do you have any other final thoughts, anything else you would like the public to know going into November's general election? No, I, you know, I think the main thing is just uh, implore people to exercise their right to vote mm-hmm. and get out there and vote. And if you don't feel comfortable, uh, ask for an advanced ballot and uh, 
we need everyone to exercise their right. All right. Well, that was Jim Gartner, who currently represents District 53 in the Kansas House of Representatives. He is running for re-election this year. Thank you, Jim, for being with us. Thanks, India. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're looking for more, you can support local journalism by subscribing to cgonline.com, reading our articles, and following the latest news on our social media platforms. You can also find more podcasts like this one in the Apple Podcasts app, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.